0: Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to
1: the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To the Point podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon, and I'm excited to be coming to you live with co-host Eric Trexler. Eric,
0: well, happy, we're live, but day. I think it's it's a recording, right?
1: Well, but it's it's, it's like <laughs> live.
0: How do you think it's about that everybody
1: problem? watching it for the first time? You don't have to it, well, demystify well, it. We're a
0: podcast. <laughs> we haven't published video, even though we have it. So it's really listening to the. Rec- Anyway, let's get the show started, Rachel. <laughs> it's great to be back from vacation and and, and uh, have you. I, I we, we got together in person this week, which was outstanding. It's been I think, the, I think it's the, been almost, almost
1: two years. Yeah, RSA I
0: mean, of twenty. Hold on a yeah, second. Right, Let me do some math March 20, here. March
1: twenty nineteen.
0: March night twenty twenty was RSA was the last time I saw you in person before this week. It's that's it was crazy. great to see you. You that's are great, real. I know.
1: I know. I know. Hard to believe. It's Who do we uh, have
0: today? Educators.
1: Oh, I am so excited. So we've got Chris Teal. He is a reporter at Smart Cities Dive, and he is talking to, you know, all the, the, the movers and shakers, right, you know, across the country and what's going on with smart cities uh, in the U.S. And there's some really, I mean, really interesting things happening. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Welcome to the podcast, Chris.
2: Rachel, thanks for having me. And Eric as well. It's great to be here. It's really all
0: about Rachel, Chris. You'll learn soon enough. <laughs> I
1: figured. I figured. <laughs> yeah. So, I you know I just want to kind of start. Let's start at the beginning, right? Because I mean, you you write this volume of, of articles, and I'd want to say kind of what have been your most. Like interesting stories, either that have kind of you know shocked you, and, or just been you know illuminating in, in terms of the opportunity ahead for you know kind of cities to, um, you know I think become more digitized and it, you know improve services and, and and all the things that that come with uh, technological advancements.
2: Yeah, I, I think some of the things I've been most interested in writing about has been the evolution of how we get around and how we move beyond just driving around in our cars um, and that's been everything from the evolution of ride hailing to micro mobility which is dockless bikes dockless scooters and and all that sort of thing and also autonomous vehicles as well which uh, is a very interesting opportunity that i think has been dogged by a lot of hype and a lot of uh, industry people saying, "Oh, it'll be ready soon," and then you you kind of look at the calendar and you go, "Well, it's it's soon now." I know Lyft mm-hmm. promised autonomous vehicles this year, right. um, and that's not going to happen. Um, so I think, yeah, just how people get around is cause, is the most interesting thing because Absolutely. we all live it every day.
0: So can we take a step back for a second? Because I actually had to do some research, Chris. Like, how would you define smart cities? To our audience, because I don't think a lot of people understand what we're talking about. That's a great question. I I had to look it up and I've been in this business a long time.
2: Yeah, that's the million dollar question. I often say that if you ask 10 people to define a smart city, you'll get 11 different answers. Um, And most
0: would say, I don't know, the cities are pretty dumb. I give them a lot of tax money and they don't do a lot for me.
2: It seems that way, doesn't it? Um, I think for me, I always think of smart cities as a city that uses technology and Um, other ways to make itself more livable for its residents. Um, So it makes it easier to get around, easier to do everyday things. Um, And it it uses technology to to kind of do that while at the same time in an ideal world, cutting emissions and fighting against the worst of climate change. That's my view. And I understand I'm an adult and, you know, we don't agree on everything. So that, but that's kind of where I approach this topic.
0: Okay. So if we, if we, if we look at, I'm going to try something here off, off the rails, maybe Rachel, but we'll try it. If we look at cities over time from like, I want to go back to medieval times, but we talk about, you know, I don't know, the industrialization and then and then electrification, right? Cities, you finally got electric in things and, and, and we can go into septic or, or sewer and water and everything else. But we're really talking more about automation now, aren't we?
2: Yeah, very much so. It's um, using robots to do different things for us. I mean, look at um, even the vending machine could be an, an, an example of, you know, automation. Um, it used to be that we had to you know, go to the the, the the register and buy a, a can of whatever, but now we just, we just go to the vending machine and we've been able to do that for years. Uh, I think it's okay. just been a constant evolution.
0: And would you throw like, I mean, in the States, one of the things we have, I'm assuming it's global, but honestly, I don't know, We've got traffic cameras and we've got monitoring so you, you pull up ways or you pull up actually we have it all over the world let's be honest but I, I don't know that I mean I know in some of the some countries there are a lot more cameras but you can plan your routes and to me that's part of a, you know a smart city or smart infrastructure maybe is the way I think of it. So I know that there's a, a traffic jam here and it's faster to go this direction there but there's systems that are telling me that right yeah. the only reason I know is there are collectors out there that are providing information to to some service that I can subscribe to or take advantage of.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you, yeah, you have sensors all over the place and you also have things like Waze, which crowdsources. Yes, um, right.
0: genius. All this stuff. Sensors.
2: It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay.
1: But I want to get back to autonomous vehicles because that's one of my and favorite You're going topics. right down
0: into <laughs> Elon Musk and, and, and the like, huh? Okay, let's do it.
1: Well, you know, but, but, what I think there, I mean, the opportunity is is huge. I lived in New York City for fifteen years. I love mass transit all day long. Um you know, but I, I also, it is interesting that that payoff hasn't come yet. and but I also think kind of, you know, one of the things I thought interesting, one of the articles you were writing about was, you know, the use of autonomous vehicles during, you know, the, the pandemic to deliver food, right, or to deliver tests or, you know, all the other things. And, you know, I, I think one of the articles was also getting into kind of the speed. They go like nine or 10 miles an hour. So it could be really slow, which, you know, may not be good for other, you know, kind of traffic patterns. Um you know, but, you know, what what is it going to take, Chris, I mean, for for this promise to get here? You know, I mean, is it all on folks like, you know, Elon Musk and and or or is it up to the cities to also kind of, you know, play a, a much larger partnership role? Right. With these technology companies or, you know, how, how do we get there to make this a reality?
2: Uh, I think it's a two pronged approach. I think the technology is still not as mature as we would like it to be. Uh, we're still learning. You know, for example, if you and I are out driving and, you know, we're able to react to all kinds of obstacles and things on the roads, there are no guarantees that an autonomous vehicle can do that properly yet. Um, Has it caught up to the human brain? Uh, No one really knows. So I think the technology just has to mature and it has to keep developing and be tested. And then on the, on the other side of things, I think you need a regulatory framework. You need some kind of law to come down from Congress regulating these. Right now you've got a patchwork of laws uh, from, you know, from different states and, and they're trying their best, um, but a federal uh, regulation just, just hasn't happened just yet. And having that will make a, a really big difference. Interesting.
0: You're, you're speaking specifically to driving autonomy. Yeah. Or autonomous driving. I yep. should say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. But from a city perspective, if if, if, if I'm the mayor of a city, you know, whatever, Charlotte, North Carolina, how do I declare myself a smart city or, or what do I do to become a smarter city? How, how do you plan for that?
2: Man, Eric, you are really asking me the tough ones today. Um, is, that, that, is that yeah. really that tough? I just
0: want to know. <laughs> it is. I mean, I,
2: I, I would argue that you don't just get to throw up some free Wi-Fi and say, "Oh, we're a smart city now." That that shouldn't be. I would argue works. that
0: a lot of people might do that, and that may oh, be yeah. the That's easiest thing sure. to do. Absolutely, Absolutely. that is right. the
2: easiest thing to do, and it's politically expedient to do that. Um, the way I think about it is, you should always try and get smarter. You should think like NASA, who went to the moon in 1969 and then said, okay, what can we do next? You should always be looking to improve. Uh, I don't think anyone is truly gonna be smart. Then if they if they get to the end of this and think, yeah, we're done, we're smart, we don't have to do anything else now, uh, that, that's that's not acceptable.
0: Agreed, I mean, I'm thinking of like trash can containers that notify you when they're reaching capacity so, so that some autonomous vehicle can come and empty it for you. I'm playing to you, Rachel, right here. You know, I'm thinking of examples (laughs) like that where where city services could really benefit the, you know, the consumers of those services, the constituents of the city
2: to make life better and easier. That's Uh, how it should be, right? I mean, a a smart city is one where people can live well and ideally afford to live there as well.
1: mm. I I would like that. I would love if, you know, my trash could get picked up, um, you know, maybe I I don't need it to come every week or, you know, whatever it is, like an on-demand autonomous model. That would be incredibly convenient, you know, and you watch all
0: these movies. Think about the park trash cans Mm. that are overflowing because maybe they're emptied once a day, but there was an event or something and it just makes it look dirty, right? You, You just don't get a good feeling because the city wasn't prepared or... You know, th- there's so many areas where I think if we use if we use technology, we can automate things and make them a lot better.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's there's it, every everything is right for innovation, and when you do the next thing, then you can do the next thing after that. Uh, exactly. I mean, do we get to a point where our trash bins have sensors where they can see? Okay, this is for recycling. This, this piece is for, you know, general waste. I,
1: exactly.
0: The
2: possibilities I think are endless.
0: I actually have a, uh, a very good friend's son who I'd almost call a nephew. He created a company, young kid. He's right out of college a year or two. They're working on that. They're sorting trash and they're monetizing it based on the value of the, of the, uh, the, you know, the, the recyclables. Interesting. Right, so they they're they're creating a they're creating a technology machine essentially that that can sort the trash into different components by value, and and there's a monetization component not just on the recycling but knowing what the consumers are consuming too, that they can sell back to to uh, organizations. He's so passionate; it's entirely interesting to me, and and I think that works in a city, right? That doesn't work in Omaha, actually, Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska right yeah. you've got to have that critical mass that that population density right. to make that work um, but those are the type of things i think of when i think of smart cities
2: yeah as smart it recycling
0: be. Well, i don't know why i give two trash examples but why not i mean honestly that's more
2: tangible than flying cars so i mean they look <laughs> cool but you know that, that's, that's the, uh, having ways to manage your waste and your water and that kind of stuff is far 100%. more far more tangible for everyday residents than oh i can jump in a flying car
0: yeah. But Absolutely. my commute to work is 13 miles. If I had a flying car or helicopter, it's 52 miles because I have to cross a river and there are only two crossing points. So for me, I don't have a trash recycling problem. Personally, I have a transportation problem. <laughs> I'll go <laughs> with transportation. Yeah. So what is, I- the, what is the smartest city out there in your opinion? Like from the work you've done?
2: Uh, I think they're in Asia. I think we're looking at yeah. um, Singapore is usually up there, Seoul in South Korea. Um, okay, I forget There's uh there's a international rankings, and I think Singapore has been consistently at the top for a while. Uh, I think London is is doing well mm-hmm. as well. Um, the top ranked U.S. city is usually New York.
0: And what yeah. what
2: what gets Wi-Fi them to the top in the subways?
1: The I have to tell you, are the best thing ever in New York. That I can I can surf the web on the on the train. And that's amazing. really
0: basic, Rachel, right? We're not talking flying cars but or- But it's
1: life changing when you're stuck on the six train, going from the Bronx, downtown, going local, man, oh man, you want that Wi-Fi. That makes <laughs> a maybe difference. We back to,
0: maybe we go back to that example, Chris, where you, said, you know, mayor sets up some Wi-Fi points and they call <laughs> exactly. themselves a smart city. You can God. see what gets Rachel excited. <laughs>
1: I don't I, um, care about absolutely. trash. I don't Yeah, I just want the Wi-Fi.
2: <laughs> I mean, honestly, so I live, I live in Washington, and they um, recently made it so that you don't lose phone signal in tunnels uh, while you're on the while you're on the metro. Honestly, the best thing ever. Um, it may, uh, just a little thing like that makes such a difference.
1: It really does. It's it's funny, but how do you prioritize? I mean, I guess that's a great point, Eric. Right? I mean. In a city, in every city being kind of its own, you know, world, how do you prioritize what to make smart first? You know, do you go for those quick, easy wins like a Wi-Fi in the subway or, or, you know, do you try to tackle the the big rock things where I think, you know, the trash would be a really big one to try to, to figure out?
2: Yeah, if, if you have an answer for that, uh, I, I'd love to hear it. I don't know. <laughs> because I think the, the other thing that you run into as a city leader is that the one thing that you have to make smart, first of all, is your kids, like mm. public schools have to be the priority and right. it's road maintenance and public works and all that you have a, so many pressures on a city budget all at once. Uh, it can be so difficult to, to prioritize anything, frankly.
0: You know, when when I was prepping for this podcast, I was thinking back over COVID. I watched the entire uh, whatever six seasons of The Wire, mm-hmm. and it's all about Baltimore, Good. which is yes. which is a yeah. I hadn't watched it before, but it, it's all about Wire. Baltimore, which which is, is a really I mean, talk about a tough budgetary environment for the city. Yes, yes. and the way they're horse trading politically on on schools versus crime and everything else. I, I think Rachel, it it does help to. Get you into the mindset if you've got that framework there, of of how do we prioritize? Like Wi-Fi is cheap and easy; it's doable today. Right? Do you take that moonshot, if you will, looking for automated trash dispenser? You know, cleanup. That that you may be waiting on technology. You may have regulatory. Who knows? Privacy. I mean, I, I right. don't know. Like, do you do that in your time as a mayor or a city council? Or do you shoot for something that just makes you smile from ear to ear? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our listeners can't see it. Wi-Fi on the subway. right? Chris, you got Wi-Fi in the metro tunnels. I mean, really the same thing, right? I enjoy yeah. it too. I haven't been on the metro in 18 months, but, but uh, in DC, there's nothing worse than not being able to communicate when you're on the metro.
2: Yeah, or you, or you, you know, as I, I listen to Spotify on my headphones, and if my song gets interrupted because I have no connection, I'm furious. Exactly. Right. And with
0: work from home, we expect this constant connectedness. What if you're on a Zoom, even if you're just listening in on the way to work? It may prevent you from going to work, spending money in the city if you live out in the suburbs. Right? Yeah. So, so those are services that I think I think you've got to start prioritizing some of the the easy, tangible pieces early on and have aspirational goals down the road. But, but that would just be my thought.
2: Yeah, and then how do you do that when you have to run for re-election?
1: Exactly. I mean, what is it? Every two years, or what's, what's the be, tenure these days? It okay. can be
2: anything. I mean, two, three years, four years. Um, it's it's so difficult, and it's not enough
1: time to get anything done. Right. Yeah. The <laughs>
0: educational system's in a shambles. Crime is up, and, and you're planning on auto- autonomous trash and recycling capability. It's not a it's not a politically winning. Uh, it's not
1: super position. sexy, but uh, I'll bet though. Once it got up and rolling, people would be thrilled. It's it's one of those. Maybe like, how do, how, do, how do you do that though?
2: Yeah.
0: So what makes Seoul or Singapore top of the list? Like, what are services are they doing? Maybe we can learn from them.
2: A lot of a lot of stuff has been digitized. I think like, right. it's uh, you. You don't necessarily have to go to city hall to pay your water bill with a paper check, uh, and it's things it's like that, that that has really made a difference. Uh, they've invested in transit. Um, they are taking climate change seriously and have really tried to bring down their emissions um, and trying to get people out of their cars as well. Um, I love that. So, so we're really not difficult.
0: talking autonomous driving. We're not talking lasers, flying cars, or anything else. I mean, we're talking tangible capabilities, putting city services online as opposed to making you come down to City Hall. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or go to, okay.
2: Okay. And I, mean, I think um, Dubai is a really interesting example of this as well. They've tried to go, they want to go completely paperless by, I think, 2023. So the idea being that um, you, you don't have to bring a wad of paperwork that thick if you want to file for a permit, say, to do a, an event or, or something like that. Um, things like that, yeah, that just improve people's lives.
0: So we're Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm going to switch this over, and then Rachel's got a ton of questions for us. How do these cities, these city government, these city you know, councils, mayors, organizations, you name it, think about cybersecurity in the context of these advanced services, or maybe they're not that advanced, but services they're bringing online, in your experience? In my
2: experience, frankly, they don't think about it enough. Um, I think a lot of cybersecurity... Um, it's it's quite an intangible thing. If you have a pothole outside on the street, you, you can see it and you know what you have right. to do. I think a lot of cities have run into issues. I think Atlanta did this. I remember hearing the mayor speak about this. She said, essentially, we didn't expect that it would happen to us. Right. So we didn't You're talking enough. about the
0: ransomware attack of, I want to say like 2019 on the yeah, city of Atlanta? Yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I was off by a year.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so you don't expect that it's going to happen to you. So... There are other things to invest in than your, your cybersecurity infrastructure. And I think that's, right. the, that's the problem that, that we're facing. And that's why you're seeing ransomware attacks going up and up in, in city governments.
1: And cities are paying it, which I think is really interesting, right? I mean, I think for their day, kind of decision calculus, right? I mean, it's, it's a lot less painful... I think for them to pay, you know, on the hope that, yes, that they will get the key to unencrypt and all those things are actually going to work. But by and large, cities do pay, right? And is it because these uh, attackers are, you know, uh, making the ransom payment something that's accessible for cities as well? I mean, it sounds like these guys are pretty smart when they're planning that too.
2: Yeah, the hackers have gotten smarter and smarter. Um, But what's interesting is that it's, it's not that every city is paying. So the US Conference of Mayors passed a resolution a little while ago saying, mm-hmm. essentially, don't pay the ransom. Don't do it. Do literally anything else. Um, so I think about a, a city like Knoxville, which got hacked last year. They didn't pay a ransom. But then Florence, Alabama also got hacked, and they paid about $300,000 right. in a bid to stop their data being published on the internet. Um, so there, there, there isn't real uni- uniformity. Um, New Orleans right. had a big hack, and they didn't pay. Um, so it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's just every city on their own, really, trying to figure this out. Sure. And,
0: and it feels like if none of them paid, the ransomware attackers would go elsewhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because they
0: if, can't monetize the they, they can't monetize the initiative, so they'll go find money elsewhere. But if only one or two of them pay. Or, or maybe I should say as soon as the first one or two pay, you see that crack in the armor and you might as well go mm-hmm. after all of them because it's relatively cheap. Right, Rachel?
1: Well, sure. I mean, I, well, I think what in, in Texas, right, it was a couple of years ago, there was this cluster of cities, like tiny towns, too. I think it was 10 or whatever it was. And they all paid. I yeah. mean, it was like a, a blip on the radar, like, oh, yeah, here you go. Here's our money because we just want to get back in business. And and I suspect a lot of them don't have the backups or don't have, you know, kind of all of that additional, you know, support infrastructure to to not pay. <laughs> so
2: Yeah, a, a lot of cities uh, haven't invested as much as they should in their kind of IT departments uh, and that kind of thing. Right. Or they might have a, a an IT technician who helps fix computers and that kind of stuff, and they might have a fairly basic – um cyber um you know protection plan but you know that's not going to be enough as these yeah. hackers get more and more sophisticated as that's going to get breached immediately
0: exactly. it, it almost seems like somebody should bring out a a a templated type of service offering for cities you know i don't know maybe small medium large and maybe i'm only thinking domestically here in the states but but where you know aws or somebody runs you know here's how you pay your water bill here's how we manage water I, I don't think that's probably possible due to the proliferation of legacy systems and you know billing systems and everything but they're all they're all on their own
2: the, yeah the argument i've heard um is that if every city government transition to using a dot gov uh, domain they would automatically, because that's federal, so they would have the protections of the federal government behind them. Um, I'm not sure how feasible that is, uh, but that's just one small way to try and um, centralize this a little bit.
0: I don't think a .gov domain makes you, uh, you know, gives you protection from the federal with, you know, means the federal government has to help you. And even if it did, I don't think, I don't think they, I mean, they certainly wouldn't have the capability no. I don't know.
2: Uh-huh. I mean, these are,
0: these are really tough problems, right? They don't have the budgets for the staff. They, they, they're a pretty wide open, easy target. And, and when they get hit, when they get targeted, they don't have a lot of options because they don't have the staff, the budgets, the capability.
2: Yeah, and this has been—it's a, it's a relatively recent phenomenon. This this mm-hmm. hacking stuff. So there's not much of a of a precedent, really. It's not like we have 20 years of experience to go back on. It's it's a relatively recent thing. Yeah. I would
0: think that there would be a, the role for the federal government would be in in addressing the the macro problem, which is people from outside of the United States. In this case, if we take a U.S. centric example for a second.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: predominantly outside, are attacking American cities. And, and we're not going to tolerate that. We're not going to be okay with this. And here is our our national stance on this. So Russia, you know, Rwanda, wherever, <laughs> you are responsible or you will have to deal with the U.S. government. And, and I'm not saying that means that should mean airstrikes. Maybe it means financial support or I, I don't know. But I, mm-hmm. I think that... My experience with the United States national government is they would have more luck with that than trying to help and police every single agency or every single city. I mean, how many cities have been hacked at this point with just ransomware? We know Lake, what is it? Lake City, Florida, Atlanta, Baltimore. Right. I mean, there've been you can just rattle off the, the list. They're easy targets.
2: Right. Someone's got to do something. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's no there's no easy answer unfortunately
1: yeah and it's uh i think there was it was an article too about you know we always talk about critical infrastructure obviously right i mean that's always the big rock in cities and and, and the vulnerabilities and um you know i guess if 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 we were to like to kind of stack rank right you know kind of how, how to protect these or you know are there any cities you've come across that maybe are are seemingly doing it right or on the right path to kind of you know take critical infrastructure, um, you know, really really seriously and, and put a lot of calories towards trying to, to solve that problem. Have you have you come across that?
2: Yeah, I have to give New Orleans a lot of credit to be honest. Um, so they had a big cyber attack, um, I think, at the back end of 2019.
0: Yeah, um, you wrote a great article on that.
2: Oh, thank you for reading. It's nice to meet actual readers every once in a while. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, it it was it
0: was on on the the lessons learned, basically, from their leadership. Yeah, it was a great article.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, what were they doing? They they've been preparing for this early. They've been investing in uh, the the protections that they needed. They were running drills. I mean, they were like running fire drills. Um, And so when they got hacked, they kind of they knew what to do. Um, and they also had good state um, backup. They had the National Guard come in immediately from Louisiana. They had the state police. They had a fusion center. They knew they run backups regularly. And, yeah, they still had to upgrade some of their infrastructure uh, because some of it was just old. But I think there is definitely something to be said for putting in that work beforehand, uh, especially, frankly, when you're a high-profile profile city like New Orleans. Right. Um, and, and, and getting it done.
0: What percentage do that, to that level?
2: I mean, out of 200,000 cities, I would probably argue not many. Um, there's just not Five, the resources. 2,000? You have to take a guess? I, I, I'm reluctant to take a guess when I just don't know. Uh, yeah, but no, my, that's, my, that's, my that's my i want push on many. that one.
0: That, that would be my guess too, right? They yeah. just don't have the time, the resources, prioritization, and everything yeah. else. Very few would do that. Absolutely. But in this case, they did that. They were well-prepared I mean that should be part of the model for cities across the globe.
2: Yeah, right. it really should be, that, and that sh- that should be an example as well. yeah, they still had to pay out some some money in insurance yeah. costs. Um, sure. I think they blew through their insurance policy that they they'd had, um, but it could have been so much worse.
1: Yeah, that's so smart. And poor New Orleans; they've already been through so much. So. Good for them to.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a one-two punch. They had a cyber attack, and then their economy was decimated by uh, coronavirus.
0: Yeah, the big tourism industry—that's a—that's a challenge. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. good to know this is a well, not not good to know it's a global problem. But it's good to know that that smart cities are are global. You know, people are working on this. I know we we've done some work with Egypt, like we're Cairo. I mean, like so. Countries across the world recognize that these services are required or demanded by their constituents, but they've mm-hmm. got to secure them, too.
2: Yeah. Like security yeah, is
0: very important, right? Because you want to be able to pay your water bill online, but you don't necessarily want your water bill to be known in your all your information that you've submitted as part of paying your water bill online. Right. You, you never want it to be put out there on the on the Internet for everybody.
2: Ideally, no. And as someone who's had a cell phone number put on the internet, um, I'd I, I avoid that. I'd prefer to avoid that.
0: Cell phone numbers, credit card information, you know, your your home address. I mean, there's a lot of private information that, you know, cities are, are consuming. They, they, they control that they don't want out there.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. But to that point, Eric, I wonder, though, when we talk about, you know, looking at how other countries, you know, um, treat privacy and... You know, if if we were to take some shortcuts there, would that help us make further advancements, though, right, and and some of these smart city areas? And, what do you mean by shortcut? Well, I mean, you know, because we are so worried about, you know, protecting privacy. And, it, and I wonder, like, for cameras, for example, right? Everyone kind of gets a little nervous when you start talking about, you know, facial recognition and cameras. Um, you know, but there's always that flip side of, well, well, actually, it can be really helpful. I mean, you know, let's say you... You're a senior, you know, citizen with dementia and you kind of wander off. And, you know, that camera's able to say, hey, well, we just saw Grandpa Joe, you know, three blocks down the street. And, and so we're able to track him and, and, and bring him back home right. safely. Or Grandpa
0: Joe is attacked and we have it on video now so we can go and actually find and, and deal with the attacker. OK,
1: exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and but, you know, obviously recognizing with every technology there are. There are problems, right? Like for Spectrum, I, my my axe to grind today. Um, I scheduled my payment for last month. You know, hold, two hold weeks on. In advance. What is
0: Spectrum? Chris and I are scratching our heads as now, are cable all of our company, thousands the, of listeners. Where
1: how I get my HBO? Right? How I get my okay, triple it. play HBO phone? All the things. And you know, I scheduled my payment like I always do every single month and two weeks in advance. And they didn't process it for the first time. And since I've had my service with them for four years, they didn't process it. Um, and so then I had to pay a late fee. When they sent me a confirmation email. So, I mean, we know that obviously there there are hiccups in the system and it's never perfect. But up until that point, how convenient for me. You know, I just scheduled it. I didn't have to think about it and it was done. Um, you know, so those are the kind of things I, I, I think about. I mean, do we need to maybe relax a little bit on some of the privacy things so that we could get there? And, and who's to say, like, these, these cameras and the facial recognition couldn't help with autonomous vehicles, bringing it full circle to the beginning of our conversation here, um, you know, adding that additional sensors and telemetry or, you know, or all those things. I mean, it's I, I just kind of wonder about those things. Do you have to give to get?
0: Chris Teal, I'm handing that off to you. You're the
2: expert here. This is not my area of expertise. Stop it. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because what I think about with the cameras and the, and the sensors and facial recognition technology and all that kind of thing, I mean, it sounds good in principle. The privacy concerns I have is people of color are, are, are being discriminated against by this yeah. by this stuff. And we have to be so careful about things like that. Um, San Diego I'm, I'm reminded of they just they they did a big smart streetlights program where they had cameras and all their streetlights, lights and, and it was going to be this wonderful thing to help monitor traffic and events and all this other stuff and that's been more or less canned because of just a torrent of criticism there's been legislation introduced people are worried about being overly monitored and, and, and being targeted and being racially profiled by this stuff mm-hmm. um, so I, I like with autonomous vehicles, I don't think the technology is quite there yet for us to, to, to really rely on it for, for much. Right.
1: But the I guess the flip side right is governance, right? It always comes back to regulation and governance. Well
0: and I, I think it's I think tolerance it's the of of, of yeah. the, the you know, the the local constituents. Right. right? I mean the, just taking the United States, we don't even have to go to the globe the global picture. I think the tolerance in New York City may be different than Knoxville, Tennessee, for two cities we've talked about already. Right. You go to Omaha, Nebraska, you go to San Diego, it may be different for what they'll allow, what they're okay with. And, and I, I do believe, not being an expert here, but there's a, there's a trade-off, risk versus reward. Right. And it goes back to a basic life principle. If, if you can save me 20 minutes on my commute every day, the fact that you're reading my license plate... I don't know that I care. Right. Right. Now, if you're racially profiling me and I'm getting a lot more speeding tickets or the like, whatever it may be, well, I probably do care. Yeah. Right. So there's that risk versus reward. Once again, it goes back to societal concepts, I I believe. Um, And then are you protecting the system? Right. I mean, you can collect a lot of information but if that information is, is readily accessible, either through bad actors or just, you know, sloppiness, that's a different discussion also. How are you protecting that information? Sure. You know, I don't know. That's, that's always it's a good question. It's, it's, a, it's a whole new world for us. I, I do think it's similar to electrification of cities or, or, you know, think about it's a big change in the way we do things. I want crime protection. I, I, personally, just me personally, I'm fine with cameras everywhere. I'm not, I'm not running around and stabbing people or or robbing stores or whatever. So I'm perfectly fine with cameras everywhere.
2: That's good to know, Eric. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, isn't it right? I mean, that's good. <laughs> hey, I, I live right outside D.C. too, Chris. I mean, but you know, I mean, I'm even okay with with the speeding cameras, red light cameras. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I and, you know, hopefully there's a so societal benefit to it that that helps us more than just monetization of you know additional taxpayer dollars right right slow me down so less pedestrians get killed or traffic flows better okay that to me makes sense sure if it works
1: if it works yeah that's always always a big question and you know i was um kind of looking through our, our our notes for this conversation and um, you know, hacking groups posing as consultants uh, to cities. I am fascinated by this because you know that was it, it came up in a meeting we had a, a, this week on something else, and we're like, you know, should people just start hiring these hackers <laughs> to kind of help us pr- protect our infrastructure and, and cities? And this is really interesting. They're they're actually approaching cities to to help as consultants, Chris. Is-
2: kind of, yeah. I, I I was walked through this a while ago by a former um, FBI uh, specialist on this. And essentially what you have is, let's say I hack your city and I'll, I'll lock up all your data. Well, then I might go back to you and I might say, look, Rachel, I'm going to charge you X and I'll help you protect your systems. So they're almost going for the kind of double the double whammy. I mean, I think wow. it's shameless right. personally, um, but it's, it's just a very interesting window into the minds of these, these hackers who, I mean, they have clearly spotted a business opportunity.
1: Big business, Yeah.
2: Huge, huge business. So yeah, not only can they get a rent a payment to unlock, but then they what do they think they're going to be put on retainer? I don't know. i do in the so wrong what business do you, then. You know, if you're
0: <laughs> if you're running a city, if you're on the city council, or you're the mayor, or you're you're you doing it, how how do you how do you address that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I really don't know. Uh, how do you how do you how What do you prioritize at this point? And we've talked a lot about priorities today. You know, do you just pay the ransom, just pay the man and just say, all right, let's just get it out of the way, get all that data back. So, you know, Fred blogs down the street, knows that his credit card information isn't going to end up on the dark web. Um, Do you do that or do you stand firm and do you trust that you have backups in place and, and a way to get around this? Do you just be totally defiant and say, yeah, do what you want? We'll be fine. Um, Or do you do what New Orleans did, which was the smart thing, and say, we might get hacked, so let's invest now while the going is relatively good? Uh, So that way, when we do have issues, we've got all of this infrastructure in place to help us out. We're not going to have to pay an enormous amount of ransom. Uh, We've got an insurance policy in place. And frankly, we've engaged already with the state and with, you know, at uh, our, our colleagues in state government to help us out even more. I know I know which one I'd go for, but um, right. I'm not a politician and we can gloss over that whole thing.
0: Uh, you know, I've, you've brought something to mind. I've spent some time over my career with like a cyber national guard, right? We, we have a lot mm-hmm. of cyber personnel who get trained by the government and then they go and do whatever, um, you know, commercial business. They, they leave government effectively. Um, or, or they're never trained by the government, but they're very capable at what they do. Um, and, and there's been a lot of dialogue about somehow, in, you know, enlisting them, probably a bad term because it doesn't necessarily mean we'll enlist them in the guard, but right. enlisting their capabilities and services to help out the country. I'm wondering if a city council could do something similar with constituents. A lot of cities have companies in them with a lot of cybersecurity people. I wonder if there's a way they could they could ask for a community service hours or, hey, you know, all of you employees of this, you know, employees in the city, not of the city necessarily. If you could donate just a small portion of your time every month to helping make our city more capable, more protected, better, enabling services, something simple like your your uh, your spectrum bill or water bill, Rachel, right? Yeah. Hey, let's digitize this, let's get it online, let's get it secu- online securely. You've got the background, you're a developer over at, Rachel, where are you now, Austin or Houston today? You're in Houston. I am in right? Houston.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? You're a developer over at, at British Petroleum. Would you donate 10 hours of your time once a month to help get us the, get the, get the uh, water bill online? and securely do it so we can make sure. the city services better. Makes I wonder my if life that's better, a, everybody
1: wins, right?
0: I, I don't know. And maybe you run a free concert once a year for all the all the volunteers or you do something. I wonder if there is a way to take advantage of services out there that that we're not using today or capabilities, I should say.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a great idea. It's the first idea I've really heard, I think, yeah, why not use the expertise? From Rachel
0: and I? Well, you're lucky you
2: got one. I know. I, I, I'm just so flattered and honored to be here for that moment. Um,
0: Usually they come from Rachel also.
2: <laughs> but, I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, I live in, in Arlington, Virginia, right, where we have the Pentagon, we have DARPA, we have all of these cyber firms as well. Um, talent. Why, yeah, and talent. Why couldn't, why couldn't they help out on, almost like a, a lawyer helping out on a pro bono case? Yep. Why not? I
0: don't know. There's a legal component or something, you know, NDAs or, or something that seems like, you know, liability
2: issues that seem sure. like, but we can blow through that stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: of course we can. If, you, if, you, if we can find the will, we can get it done.
1: Absolutely.
0: That's so, my thought. And we can do it securely, which makes everything better.
1: Everything better. Always. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see if it ever happens. <laughs> if anybody listens to the podcast and some mayor somewhere says, hey, I just did this.
1: I would love that. If there's any mayors listening, yes, please let us know. We would love to hear from you all day long. And um, I know we're kind of coming up on time and Eric knows my favorite question. I always love to ask here as we wrap up our conversation, thinking about, you know, this, this crazy cyber world, but all the opportunities that smart cities, um, you know, bring us. Chris Teal, do you have optimism for the cyber path ahead? I mean, are are, our cities going to make these advancements and and get secure, but also you know, kind of help, help make a, a better life of, of digitized services and you know, uh, automation for their uh, constituents? Oh,
2: wow. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I hope so. Uh, let, me, let me say that, I hope so. I hope that cities look at what's happened in some of their peers and they think, you know what, we need to do this. We need to invest. Um, because we can't have that happen to us, and I hope that they they realise that it can. Um, am I optimistic that will happen in these days of COVID budgets and difficulties and, and, and all of that? <sighs> Maybe I I don't know. It, it, it's it's difficult. I'd would I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong, and I'd love to see cities realise this is this is vital. Um, some will, some won't. That's just how it goes.
0: What would be a shame is if they decide not to bring services online that are technology, you know, technically feasible today. Right. Because of that risk. Right? Well, no, we we've seen 45 cities hacked in the last 2 years with ransomware. We're not going to bring on this life-changing service because it could get ha- we could get hacked and there's a liability issue there. That to me would be very disappointing when they start making decisions not to do things because they can't do it securely yeah. and the liability exceeds the benefit. Um,
2: yeah. Um, I hope we're not there. Yeah, I hope we're not there either. Uh, fingers crossed.
1: Agreed. You know, and, and here's my other question, I guess, you know, kind of looking to the federal government. I know, you know, the Department of Transportation had that um, kind of smart cities competition and I think Columbus, Ohio uh, won the inaugural competition, I think, in 2016, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, is, is there a role for the government, federal government here to help fund or you know, help roll these out. I mean, you know, should they partner with some of these key cities, you know, looking at like a new Orleans or, you know, some of these other huge tourist hubs to kind of help them move forward and get best practices to, to help other cities move forward. Right. Cause I think that's where a lot of things always are challenged. I think like we talked about, there's no playbook to follow, um, you know, and on how to do this thing and, and where to start and where to focus, you know? Yeah. Uh,
2: I think the, the the big thing the federal government can do is train is, is provide those those playbooks and those best practices. I know uh, there's now a ransomware task force out of the White yes. House. Um, yes, I, I would I would love to see them do something like that for for cities and, and maybe that will be, be be folded into it. I think that's the big thing where the, the federal government can can help out is ha- and having departments like Homeland Security, uh, you know, really lead the way on that stuff. Um, that that is probably the most tangible thing that. You could do
0: well. And I, th- I think cities could get together. I mean, if if you just take your your article on New Orleans and the, almost you could almost create a playbook from that, Chris. Hey, this is yeah. kind of how New Orleans did it. To me, that's the beginning of a playbook, and I think cities could get together and and conserve resources by okay. doing that. Right. I, I don't. I'm not a city government expert by any any stretch. I have no idea how they get together. How often do they get together at the state level, national level for the majors. But, you know, if you have a New York or a San Francisco who really put some time and money and they have it into something like this, that playbook could very easily be taken to, I don't know, Jacksonville, Florida, somebody who may not have as much money and and they can look and say, okay, here's how we fit in that playbook. But you're, you're far down the path at that point, as opposed to, I couldn't imagine, you know, becoming, you know, you're the IT shop at Jacksonville, Florida. Where do you, where do you start? I guess you start with where you are, but like, why dream up the playbook if you already have one?
2: Right. Yeah, and you. I mean, you have city level trade associations. Essentially, you have the National League of Cities, the U.S. Conference of Mayors. They host regular meetings all the time, um, and then you have the National Association of Counties, and it, it goes on and on. Um, so you 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 hope that. These discussions are being had, especially at the big meetings every, I think they have two a year, the National League of Cities. Um, this stuff has to be discussed because that's the whole point of these organizations. They bring together right. leaders from across the country to, to talk about the big issues.
1: Yeah. I know. I'm excited. I think,
0: Great I think there's opportunity. a lot of
1: opportunity here. Yeah, exactly.
0: Great opportunity. Exactly. Lots of problems to address, though, but I think there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. Well, that's- awesome. So Chris, we can find you on smart You
2: certainly can. I'm Best on Twitter. Place. Um, underscore, uh, Chris underscore Teal. Sorry. Chris underscore Teal. I'm on Twitter. Um, I promise I tweet about things other than soccer. Um, and, uh, yeah, smart cities, sign up for the new, the daily newsletter and, uh, in, enjoy the website as well. Love so it. yeah,
0: if you want to learn more, go there. There's some great information out really there. Really
1: Great information. Yes.
0: And a lot more to come in this because we all live in, in or around cities. So it impacts all of us.
2: Yes. Absolutely. We're living, we're living this smart city revolution every day.
1: I love it. I love it, and so with that, you know, thank you, Chris Teal, for joining us today. This has been a fantastic conversation. I think we could probably keep talking about this, you know, for days ahead. There's just so much to cover, but um, yeah, thanks we, for joining we can't. us. It's lunchtime.
2: I have to. I have to go get food.
0: <laughs> Chris has to eat. Rachel, you want your autonomous driving and your cable your cable bill fixed? So we'll work yes. on that right now.
1: Yeah, just some some quick wins. That would be really nice. Really nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you, everybody.
1: All right. Until next time, guys. Take
0: care. And subscribe. Let us know what you like and dislike. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.